Hey folks, this is not a paid advertisement, but I wanted to let you all know about a new show coming out on CBS called Case Closed, John Benet Ramsey. A lot of you have been asking me for months what's been going on with Jim Clemente and Laura Richards. Well, this is what's been going on. They've been working behind the scenes reinvestigating the John Benet Ramsey case from Boulder, Colorado in 1996. And their investigation is going to be revealed on CBS in their new show. Again, it's called Case Closed, John Benet Ramsey. It's going to be a six-hour docuseries, and it's going to air on CBS in three two-hour segments. The show will air on September 18th, then the 19th, then the 25th. And I'm really excited to check this show out. Jim and Laura do amazing work, and it sounds like there's going to be some real groundbreaking information. I don't want to eat up too much more time with talking about it, so what I'm going to do is at the end of the show, after the closing credits, if you're interested, I'm going to play the audio for the trailer for this show because it sounds really interesting. So if you're not interested, you don't have to listen. But if you're excited about the show, stay tuned after the closing credits to hear the trailer for Jim and Laura's new show, Case Closed, John Benet Ramsey. for safe travels for you both. Mere words are not enough to express our deepest gratitude for all you're doing. I talked to Edward for an hour on Sunday and he was still on cloud nine. You guys have changed his outlook for the better and mine too. Edward and Zach both said that you don't look like a Bob. Zach called you a teddy bear, LOL. Zach may not have said much, but he was very appreciative in his opening up to the fact that his dad is coming home. Again, thank you both and blessings on top of blessings to you both. Thank you for giving me back my husband. Kimberly Miller Aids. What I just read to you was the text sent to me by Kim on Monday after Ed's attorney Allison and I met Kim and the kids for lunch. This week has been a game changer for me. I finally got to meet Ed in person, and then I got to spend a couple of hours with Kim, Kyra, and Zach. (laughs) This is Allison, this is Ed's attorney. You too. Hey, Bob. Kyra. Nice to meet you. You must be Zachary. Nice to meet you, Zachary. Bob. Nice to meet you, bud. It was loud in Applebee's, so it's a little tough to hear. But the moment we walked in, there was nothing but hugs and tears on all sides. Allison and I met with the family right after meeting Ed. Emotions were already high. We chatted with Ed for about three hours, and he had told us about how he and Kim met. He told us that he had met Kim at a Halloween party and that she was dressed as a ghost. Although Kim doesn't remember it quite that way. Yeah. I can't picture Ed uh, wearing a costume. No, no. He, yeah. no, he was in regular clothes. He came as himself. Uh, so uh, I worked for MHMR. I worked from 8 a.m. Saturday morning and get off until 8 a.m. Monday morning. 
So I had some people to come in and watch my people. <laughs> so I had to come and relieve them, right? So I was about to go and I was telling Gina is her name, his cousin. I was like, oh, he's cute. I want to talk to him. So he came out there and we talked and exchanged numbers. And then I went back to work and I had my phone. This is when you can forward your phone. Uh-huh. So I had my phone forwarded to work. So the next day was Sunday. He called me seven times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the conversation, but uh, seven times. And I think uh, that following week was Halloween. We went to a scary house, we went to a haunted house. Uh, and uh, he was very honest and open about the situation. And I guess I just, I looked past that, I guess. So what year was that? Ooh, 94. Okay. That was October 94. Remember, he said it was shortly after he got out on bail. Mm-hmm. And he was telling us the same, so like the same, like everything you just said. He said your Halloween costume was like, a ghost? It was, it was a white. I said, I was not going as a ghost. I was Jesus. <laughs> now, that's probably an oxymoron, the Halloween party in Jesus, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was thicker than a sheet. I mean, a sheet. It was yeah. thicker than that. And I had a gold belt, something on. I, I did. I was Jesus. So, yeah. <laughs> I told her about everything that was going on with the murder case and everything and he's like what he say he's like I'm like nope last time I'm gonna hear from her <laughs> it was like no, yeah. no no Ed described to me being completely head over heels for Kim from the first time he saw her through tears he described the fear that he was feeling he knew that he had to tell her that he'd been charged with murder and was awaiting a trial he was sure that she would never talk to him again but to Ed's astonishment Kim looked past it all she told me that she never believed that this man was capable of hurting anyone. He just couldn't have done it. The two of them began building a life together, in spite of the pending trial. And on October 27, 1995, their beautiful daughter Kyra was born. By the time the first trial rolled around, Ed and Kim were engaged, and Kyra was fast approaching her first birthday. That first trial ended in a hung jury. A mistrial was declared, and Ed, Kim, and Kyra thought that maybe their horrible ordeal was finally over. Over the next year, Ed and Kim got married, Ed went to trucking school and got a good job, they bought their first house, and Kimberly was now expecting their second child, Edward Zachary. But while Ed and Kim were working on building a life for their family, David Dobbs was regrouping for a second shot at his conviction. A reliable source has told me that in Smith County, prosecutors are not permitted to lose. Three strikes and you're out, I'm told. In other words, if an assistant district attorney in Smith County loses three criminal trials, they lose their job. No excuses. Well, David Dobbs was not about to allow this to happen to him. In June of 1998, the nightmare began again as the jurors were seated for a second trial. And this time, Dobbs was ready. Armed with a jailhouse snitch, some changing testimony, prefab excuses for the shoddy investigation, and a list of questions that he now knows not to ask. On August 3rd, 1998, the state made its opening arguments. I don't know if I blocked a lot of those years out, like the trial. I couldn't tell you what went on in the trial. Uh-huh. I just, I don't remember. I remember when they came back with the, the guilty verdict. I remember Were you able that. To make it most days of the trial? I did. At first, I was not going to make it. And I don't know why I wouldn't go down there, but... I guess because the first trial was a hung jury, uh-huh. they, had, they didn't have anything on him, so I really didn't think they were going to convict him. Right? Uh-huh. 
And then I think when I found out the jury was all white, I think I kind of got scared. Him. Uh-huh. And I remember going to my boss and saying that I needed to be off. I didn't know how long uh, my husband was, you know, in court, and I needed to be there. I don't know if I told her the specifics, but I told her I just, I just needed to go. And you were, you were pregnant at the time? <clears throat> I was pregnant with Zach. How many months? Five. Five months pregnant. Five months pregnant. So she gave me the time off, and I went down there. And, you know, I don't like I said, I don't remember the trial. But every night we would come home, and Granny would cook. And, you know, we would sit around and talk. And, you know, and I, that, that August the 13th, I believe, was the day. Year ago yesterday. Yeah. Or 18 years ago. 18 yesterday. years ago. Yeah. And they came back with that guilty verdict. I couldn't believe it. And I remember them telling me that, uh, because then they went straight to sentencing the same day. And they said I could, you know, speak on his behalf. But the moment I started crying, they were going to stop. And I didn't last no time. I think I got my name out. Yeah. And they told me to get up. And then, that I mean, that was, that was devastating. And she was at home with my parents, and I just remember I got to get home, you know. Still in, you know, total disbelief. But, uh, yep, I drove home, and I got her, and... I can imagine having to explain that to a two-year-old, especially. Yeah. And then him, you know, he would, you know, he saw his dad. You know, we took him to see him, and every time he would see Michael Jordan on TV... He was like, Daddy, Daddy. So it was really hard, but very hard, very hard. I never thought they would convict him, never. Because I never doubted him, I always believed him. You know, really wasn't worried. But I think when I found out they were all white, the jury. Especially in this town, that's not a. Yeah. Yeah. Ed was convicted of murder, and a Smith County jury sentenced him to 99 years in the penitentiary. As we were having this discussion, now 17 years old, Zach just looked on, wide eyed, and almost in disbelief. Kyra was engrossed and engaged, spending most of the conversation wiping tears from her cheeks. Some tears of sorrow, and others tears of joy and hope. But nonetheless, tears the entire time. But Zach was a different story. He didn't order any food. While the rest of us ate, Zach just sat there, stomach in knots, staring and listening. Zach has never seen his dad outside of those prison walls. He's never seen him wearing anything but his white prison jumpsuit. He remembers his dad looking just like Michael Jordan, which is because, well, he looks like Michael Jordan still to this day. And while sitting there, I was struck by how much Zach looks just like his dad. Over the years, Ed, Kim, Kyra, and Zach have gone through a roller coaster of emotions. Hope for an acquittal. Relief after the mistrial. Fear at the new trial. Devastation after the guilty verdict and sentence. Optimism for appeals. Followed up with a deep sense of sorrow, which led to numbness. After Ed's petition for post-conviction relief was denied in 2010, the fight was over. Or so it would seem. 
Ed would spend the rest of his life in prison. Zach would never see his dad cheering for him on the basketball court. Kyra would never have her daddy walking her down the aisle at her wedding. And their children would never get to sit on their granddad's lap. The only way for them to cope was to try and forget. A couple years later, Ed told Kim that she needs to divorce him and move on. Because he's never coming home. At the time, he was filled with anger. Anger at the people who had stolen his life away from him. Visits became fewer and farther in between. And when I first reached out to Ed, it had been at least a year since he had had a visitor, received any mail, or even spoken to anyone on the phone. Time was just slipping away, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. But in April of this year, you all heard from Ed for the first time. He captured your hearts and things started to change. MailCall now provides Ed with hours of reading material. He tells me that he now has friends from around the world. He's on the phone almost every day to either me, Kim, Kyra, or Zach. He has to schedule his visitations to make sure that everyone gets a chance to see him. Between his wife and kids, brother and mother, Allison, and even me, all of his allowed visitation time is used. For Kim and the kids, this has meant hope. This is Kim talking a little bit about her experience listening to the show. I think the, uh, of course, when I first found out who you were and I listened to the podcast, I hadn't cried so much and I don't know when. It's just like, it's like I'm reliving it, even though I can't remember, but I'm just, the hardest episode I listened to was when they uh, deleted that answer machine tape. That was difficult to hear. Meeting Kim, Kyra, and Zach was a game changer for me. Looking into their eyes and seeing not only their pain, but also the hope gives me an entirely new sense of drive. We have given these people hope after their lives were stolen away from them. And at this point, failing them is not an option. Now that you have all heard a little bit about Ed's family, I want to get back to the person that started all of this, Ed himself. My trip to Texas this week began walking into the Caulfield Unit Prison in Tennessee Colony, Texas. It was a surreal experience for me. I've never been inside of a prison before. And more importantly, I've never actually met Ed before. I wasn't allowed to record my conversation. I wasn't even allowed to take a picture. But at about 9.30 in the morning on Sunday, Allison and I pulled up a chair at the visiting table and waited for Ed to come out. I was somewhere between a combination between nervous and excited. I couldn't wait to have Ed actually sitting right in front of me, while at the same time I was a little bummed out that I wasn't able to get into a room where we could actually shake hands and hug each other. Because I'm not immediate family, we had to meet with a pane of glass in between us. Allison joked that I looked like a small child on Christmas morning as I anxiously waited for Ed to come around the corner. When I finally saw him, a pulse of emotions went through me. I was happy to finally meet a man who has become my friend over these past several months. At the same time, though, it was so sad to see him behind that cage. The reality of prison life hit me full force as he walked towards us. His sheer size really threw me for a loop. I knew that Ed was big. At six foot six, 
But as this tower of a man came walking up to me, it occurred to me that my jokes with him the week before about being able to take him at basketball were just that, a joke. I joked with Ed and told him that I had about 10 years on him and I could probably take him now. He just laughed it off, and now I see why. He sat down with a big smile on his face and eyes that were glassed over from trying to fight back tears. He was doing a better job of that than me. We sat and talked for over three hours. We talked about everything from his family, to how he met his wife, what life is like in prison, legal strategy, and his love for Diet Coke. As Ed was happily telling me that he should be getting a new pair of shoes soon, all I was thinking about was I wish David Dobbs and Matt Bingham could be sitting here witnessing this. If they could just see this man in front of them, who he really is, what his life was really like, and what it's become. And I found myself wondering if it would make a difference to a man like David Dobbs to know that he stole the life away from a good man, a man with a life and a future in front of him. I was on my own emotional roller coaster throughout those three hours. And I want to tell you a little bit more about how that conversation went. But before I do that, I want to take a few minutes and let you hear from Ed. On Thursday this week, I finally got a chance to talk to Ed on the phone. Ed didn't know that this conversation was for the podcast. And hell, I didn't even know it was going to be for the podcast. I just decided today to let you all listen in on about 15 minutes of my conversation with Ed. I want you to hear the difference in him from April until now. He laughs now. I just recently realized that he's finally laughing. When we first started talking, he was stoic. His guard was always up. There was no laughing. There was no crying. There was just listening and talking. He's become a different person. He's reverting back to who he really is. The real Ed Eights. He told me a few weeks ago when his mother and brother had come to visit him for the first time in years that he's tired of being angry. There was a part of him that was mad that no one had come to see him. But he said that as soon as they walked in, all he wanted to do was give them a hug. The past didn't matter anymore because he may finally have a future ahead of him. And what you're about to hear is the new Ed Eights, which is really just the old Ed Eights. Hello, this is a collect call from Edward Ace. An offender at Caulfield Unit. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Okay, how you doing? Good, how are you? Oh man, things are okay. Yeah. Got you some yeah, new kicks. Got you some uh, new So got you some new kicks today? Uh uh yeah, I I had put in for them like you got to put in for them nearly six months to a year because I knew they were out, they were already going because the laces were coming loose in the string. They finally got me up this morning at three o'clock and I went and got them. Jeez, you had to wait. Process. You got to wait six it's, months to a year to get a new pair of shoes. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean they free, so yep, they're gonna make you wait. Jeez, they buying them. <laughs> right, exactly. God, and they get you up at three o'clock in the morning to go get them. Oh, uh, it's a process. They wake you up and they, they wait. Last night, they let me know about 7.30 that I was on the train going to get shoes. I was like, okay. So after you know that, you know it's going to be a process. You get up in the morning, 2.30, get all your, take your shower, brush your teeth, get, get ready. Then you might as well go on and go to breakfast. Then they'll call you like at 4 o'clock. Because if you don't get up, they're going to come back and forth. They're going to be waking you up anyway, making sure you up. They right. got this, they got this, like this two-hour get ready period. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> Jeez, that's just for them. And then you're not gonna leave. We we left here this morning, probably about probably about five forty-five. I just got back at eleven thirty. 
All that you said you had to go. You have to go to a whole different unit to get the shoes. Right. It's like right over. It's it's probably about fifteen twenty minutes away, but it's going to take you. It's an all day trip. <laughs> Good lord. It's all it's all day trip. Getting handcuffed, unhandcuffed, getting stripped, get putting your clothes back on, and then the same process two or three times at both units in different places. Yeah, that's easier than them just ordering your size of shoe and bringing it over to you, huh? Oh, that's too, that's that's too much. Like right, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the easiest thing to do. Yeah, that wouldn't you can't do that. That wouldn't make you it. You got to go over and you got to go over and talk to the doctor, and then you got to hear the doctor talk about his their budget and how much these shoes cost and everything. You know, like they paying for them. You know, right. <laughs> God. Yeah, they got to give you everything, and then they give them to you. Jeez, what a mess. So, have you uh, have you talked to Kimberly since since I was down there Sunday? I talked to Kim. Mine, no, no. I talked to her Wednesday. I called Kyra Tuesday. It was a, it was a must. I called her. Yeah. <laughs> I called, yeah. She's not going for it. She want her time on the phone. Right. <laughs> and then I called Kim Wednesday. Yeah, they, they were giving Zach a little, a little party. He had got his shoes and everything, and and uh, I wrote him a letter, and they they made it a big event. <laughs> oh, night for his birthday. Yeah, it's for it's it's for it's really for his birthday, but it's just early, early. As his birthday's not till like December, right? December twenty first. Mm-hmm. But it'll be it'll be some new stuff before then, right? It was just really a pair a pair of shoes that he had got some of those uh, pair of Jordan shoes. Oh, that's right. You said what? What's the lady's name that that was helping you, Joanna? Uh, Joanne Kelly. Okay. She had uh yeah she had bought them. She told me that uh she was going to order them. She ordered them in my name. I don't know how. The woman is must be. She must be a great shopper. She got to be because he because he kind of crazy about these shoes now. I don't know if it just come because they come from me, but he said that I really like these shoes. He ain't talked to me that much, and that happened in a long time. <laughs> said, Man, they, they they great. I mean, he said, "Yeah, you got to see them." I'm gonna wear them down there Saturday. I said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And Joanna's the same one that sent the. Uh... Isn't Joanna the same one that that helped you send flowers to Kim? The exact same one. Nice. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, she just she says. I mean, I don't know. She just. I guess she likes to do. She said it helps her helping me. You know. So right. I told her. I, I told her thank you. You know. She don't have to do it, but she she chooses to. She's not taking no for an answer anyway. So right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's she, that's awesome. She, yeah, she's great. She's great. I'll probably get a letter from her today. What did everybody think about our our visit? Zach seemed like he was a oh, little man. kind of dumbstruck by the whole thing. You were awestruck. Yeah, he was. He still, he still kind of a little dumbstruck. But I think he, I think he, he understands a little bit better. You know, I mean, Kim, Kim is not just trying to pound it in his head now. You know, or, or Kyra. Uh huh. He listened. He listened to somebody else. I think he. I think he's a little bit better because. I mean, when I was talking to him Wednesday, he really sounded a little bit better. He kind of sounded like he was a little perked up a little bit. Oh, that's good. You know, he, he he usually, you know, he's dragging when he talks to me. You know, and he really like he really don't want to talk on the phone. He really rather be doing something else. And it kind of seemed like he wanted to talk to me. Well, that's that's good. Yeah, he was real quiet when we met him on uh, Sunday. He just kind of sat there, just, just eyes big, you know, just kind of just just observing everything that was going on. 
Yeah, I told him that's why I was telling Kim Imagine he was just trying to take in everything because he, he didn't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Kim Kim did tell me that uh, after we left, she said that uh, I didn't look like a Bob, and he thought that I I was like a teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> I told her, I said, man, Bob looks just like this guy, uh, uh, Jeff Saturday. He played football. He was Peyton Manning's center for the longest. Oh, yeah, I know him. <laughs> I, I guess I could so see I the said, resemblance there. I said, you look just like him with the hair, the beard, the eyes, the face. Everything. I was like, man, that's Jeff Saturday. <laughs> well, that's fine because I thought you looked just like Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she still says. Yeah. She looked just like him. Getting older, just like him, still looking like him. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you know, that's, that's how Allison does it. When Allison got to meet you last time, that's the first thing uh-huh. she said. I talked to her afterwards. She's like, I met him. She's like, he looks like Michael Jordan. He looks just like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, I, I mean, I really. Really enjoyed y'all. Really seeing you, I enjoyed you. I yeah. feel just like you feel. I finally got to see the person who I've been talking to for the longest. <laughs> right, I, I was the same way, man. That's a. I tell you what, that was that was it was rough leaving. It, it's it's. I I think for me, be you know, actually talking to you there and meeting meeting you, and then I don't know something about when I was I was having a hard time when I was walking out, just realizing it that was. you got to walk back in to that. Right. It was kind of hard leaving. I was just standing there. I was drinking that soda watching y'all leave. <laughs> she said, said they're going to leave? I said, yeah, they got they got something to do. I mean, they got something else to do. And you can tell them they don't have to leave. They still can stay. I said, I know, I know, I know. I said, I just stand here and drink this soda. She said, just stand there and drink your soda then. That's nice. That lady. Can you get... Huh? I said, that lady there at the desk seemed like she was pretty nice. Are these pretty good to you guys? I mean,. That day she was. She's okay. I mean, I haven't had any problems with her, but I I don't see her, you know. And you know, in there they 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 two different people when they in the visiting room and they in here with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she seemed. I mean, really, she really seemed different. I mean, in there she was talking. And I had. I mean, myself, I had never heard her talk. Oh, really? Let alone uh, uh, say thank you and uh, how are you and you know greet somebody. I was like, man, I guess it's the visiting room. Right, God, it's, it's just su- it sucks that we can't get a, a contact with it. It's so hard to hear sometimes through that that uh, glass. Right. I, I was kind of I was kind of disappointed about that, but then you know, I after I got there, I was all right. I was all right. Yeah, I didn't really even care at the end, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just, either. you know, kept trying to kept touching on the glass. You know, I know I know I can't touch either one of y'all, but I still kept touching it. Yeah, yeah, God. It was, <laughs> It, it was a neat ex- You should Allison kept making fun of me the whole time. Because it took you a long time to get out there. Uh, I did it. Yeah, well, from when we sat down, we were probably sitting there for 20, 30 minutes before you got there. Uh, I just figured oh, okay. you had to come from that other building, so it probably took a while. I did. I did. Well, actually, that's not long at all. Really? That's not long That's not long at all. Because Kim, has, she's had to wait an hour and a half, an hour. And, man, she, she goes crazy when she... You're not supposed to wait longer than thirty, twenty, thirty minutes, right? Because where I have to, where I have to walk from, it's going to take me at least twenty, twenty-five minutes to walk from here to there. And then I got to go in the building. Then I got to go in there in, in the visiting room. Then you have to get stripped down and searched. And then they let you in. Oh, you got to go. It's not, you got to go through all that. Contact. Yeah, you got to go through all that and then come in there. Okay. And then when I go out, when I leave, it's the same process. 
even though it's not contact, it doesn't really matter to them, you know. Right, right. I don't know. We can't. It's not like we can pass anything through a, 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 the glass, you know. But right. Where they are, they do everybody the same. Yeah, I was. Allison was making fun of me the whole because we said I looked like a kid at Christmas because I was sitting there looking every time somebody walked around the corner. You know, it was like, is that it? Was it no? Yeah, it's just, it's just you. You look. I mean, because I mean, especially if you're not used to this, you'd be like, "Damn, I was about the same way." Because I was just glad y'all were there. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was awesome, and then it didn't even occur to me until Allison said something that you had no idea what I looked like. <laughs> you got no, that. I didn't. That's what Kim said. She said, "I could have, I could have been there sent you a picture of her." I said, "You got a picture of her?" She said, "Of course, it's on the podcast." I was like, "So when she sent me the little, the little comment that you made on there, uh huh." She sent me that. I see you. I see you, your face and everything on there. I said, oh, "Okay, there it is, right there." I mean, I've been wondering what he's been looking like for the last few months, and there it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, I didn't think because most people know what I look like because my face is on the on the cover. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, the lady Amy Amy she sent me a she sent me a JPay the the very next day. She said, "You met Bob, the legend, the man." I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> she went off on a little spree for a minute. She's like, I can't fucking believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I mean, uh, it sounded like she was just, it sounded like she was on the couch jumping and turning flips when she was talking. <laughs> she done, she done misspelled all kind of words in the JPay office. She must be happy. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, man. Cause people, you know, cause I mean, like you've met me, I'm, I'm just like a, a regular guy, just a normal dude with a, with a, with a microphone, but people that I don't know if it's because it's on the radio or what, but man, we'll do like meetups where like fans will come meet and they kind of go crazy. And I'm, I, I know I, I never get it. It's always really weird to me. Like, why are you so excited that's, to meet me? <laughs> yep, that's exactly what she said. She said, I can't wait to meet him. She said, I'm going to meet him. And she, she said, I ordered my t shirts, I ordered mine, and I ordered my husband, and I'm waiting on them. Oh, that's this is awesome. great. This is just great. She's like, This is just great. This, I can't believe this. I can't wait till those really start until they print those out and they'll start getting out there. I'd, I'd like I'd like to give one for free to everybody in Smith County to wear the free Ed H shirt around. Oh man, they might put them all in jail. Yeah, <laughs> man, your I mean, uh, your uh, uh-huh. your daughter Kyra has got to be about the sweetest sweetest girl I've ever met, man. Yeah, she is. <laughs> I love her. She, she makes sure, guys. She she talks to me. I mean, she keeps me up. She tried to keep me happy. Yeah, well, it's good. she. I could I see know. that. You know, it was because I, I knew what Kim looked like. And I don't remember how. I think somehow. Oh, because I. Oh, because Kim's on like Facebook and Twitter and stuff. So I've seen her on there, but uh-huh. I hadn't met Kyra. And she was just she was so sweet. She was hugging and loving on both me and Allison, and you know, crying while we're talking. She's just yeah. She said, "Dad, as soon as I sit down, he said, how y'all doing?'" I started crying. I said, "Well, for what? I, I just couldn't help it." Yeah, she, she was too. She made me cry a couple times. <laughs> I just looked over and she's just sitting there just with a smile on her face and tears running down her cheeks. She's, I, told, I, said, I just told her it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. Kim got me going a few times too. <laughs> but Kyra was the book, man. She's got those big brown eyes and was just looking at me with just eyes welled up with tears so much. <laughs> she's sweet. She really is. She is beautiful yeah, I mean, girl I, too. I can't, I, I can't wait for them to come back. Yep, they'll be there. They said they're coming back Saturday. 
Uh, I don't. I don't think she's coming. I think she got to work. Zach is coming. Okay. Zach and Kim is coming. I don't know. She might come, but I'm not for sure. Well, I think she has to work though. I'm or hoping they just gonna take turns. I'm hoping to be back within a, a couple of weeks, and I'm gonna try work. So, do you know what they do? Will they ever do? The special visits from people that are traveling, like during the week, or do they still ha- always have to be on the weekend. I don't. I mean, all of that you 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 have to call because I I really don't know. I I don't know if they can. I think they can. They set them up through the week, but I really don't know for sure. Okay, I'll have to call I and mean, ask because I, that way, if we're there during the week, I can still. I have to admit that as Allison and I were walking out of the prison, I was overcome with emotion. I had to walk away from Ed, literally standing inside of a cage. He was drinking the Diet Coke that I had given him. It was just staring at me. And I was staring at him, and it hit me like a ton of bricks when I was leaving, that I was walking back out into the free world. I knew that in about an hour I would be sitting in an Applebee's, having a cold drink, and ordering whatever I wanted to eat. Meeting with Ed has changed my perspective on everything. Everything that I've done, every move that I've made in the last week has made me think of Ed. When I sat in that Applebee's and I looked over the menu, it occurred to me that Ed doesn't get to choose what he eats. He just eats what they give him. As I sat talking to Kim and Kyra and Zach, we could sit there and talk for as long as we wanted to. A luxury that Ed doesn't have anymore. I got in my rental car and went back to my hotel to change clothes, and I realized that Ed doesn't get to change clothes. He's been wearing a white jumpsuit every hour and every minute of every day for the last 18 years. Every little decision that I make in my life throughout my day makes me realize that Ed doesn't get to make those decisions anymore. He's told what to do and where to do it. I've taken for granted my whole life the freedoms that we have. When I finally got home late Tuesday night, I went into my house and wrapped my wife up in my arms. I kissed her the kind of kiss you kiss your wife when you haven't seen her for three days. I hugged my kids and I pet my dogs. All things that Ed's not allowed to do. It just makes me sad. All of it. It makes me appreciate even more what I have. But it breaks my heart to know that a good man who didn't commit this crime doesn't have these luxuries anymore. When I tucked my five-year-old Parker into bed, it hit me again that Zach's never had his dad tuck him into bed. He's never read him a story or taught him how to swim or how to outplay a full-court press. Zach's had to learn all of that on his own. I know that this episode doesn't contain the usual meaty content about the case, but I think that it's an important episode. Today's episode is all about Ed and Kim and Kyra and Zach. Every letter you send to Ed, or to a congressman, or a district attorney's office, or to a newspaper, you need to know that all those things make a difference. Wearing your free Ed 8's t-shirt, sending in theories on the case to help solve it, helping me chase down leads, all of these things make an incredible difference, and I want you to understand who you're making that difference for. Ed is putting aside his anger. He's been mad for 18 years. It's a struggle every day, but he's fighting it. But my meeting with Ed and his family today has had the opposite effect on me. I got back on the plane on Tuesday to come home, filled with sadness. But that sadness has turned into anger for me. 
I can't help but think about the fact that the reason that this has happened to this wonderful family is because lazy detectives didn't want to do their job and they couldn't leave a case unclosed and because of an assistant district attorney that couldn't lose a case because it might affect his career. They took this good man, this good family, and used them as pawns for their own gain, as though their lives don't even matter. I've now looked into Edward Eight's eyes, and there is not a killer in there. There's a good man who, despite everything that's been done to him, is trying to put that anger aside so he can show his family the joy and hope that they deserve. I hope that the men who did this to Ed Eights are listening to this right now. And I hope that inside you somewhere there is a tiny morsel of conscience. If Ed is to have any possibility at leading a full, normal life, his fate is to rest in the hands of all of you, me, Allison Clayton, and Matt Bingham. This is a wrong that can still be righted, and I am more driven now than I ever have been. And I hope that every single one of you is behind me when I say that we will not stop fighting until we free Ed Eights. Thank you to Johnny Rose of Slightly Subversive Music for creating all of the music for the show. Thank you to Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logo. Thank you to today's sponsors, Stamps.com and Audible, for providing all the funding for today's show. And most importantly, I want to thank all of you. The effect that this show is having on people's lives is a direct result of all of your engagement and support. If you want to help out with the cause, there are several ways that you can do that. You can go onto the website, truthandjusticepod.com, and click the case documents, and there's addresses there for both Kenny Snow and Edward Aids. Just taking the time to send them a letter will make a big difference to them. You can tweet about the show, at truthjusticepod, and when you do that, use the hashtag, FreeEdAids. You can like our Facebook page and share the episodes. Go onto iTunes and leave a review. And of course, it's a huge help when you send in your thoughts, theories, and ideas on the case to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. It is my intention to keep this movement going and continue to help people from around the country. So if you have a new case that you'd like to have me look at, send that to cases at truthandjusticepod.com. You can support the movement by going on to our merch site and ordering a t-shirt at truthandjusticeapparel.com. If you want to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash truthandjustice, where you can pledge a monthly donation as little as $1 a month. And most importantly, just keep talking about the show. Keep helping us bring awareness to this cause. And don't forget that after the closing credits, I'm going to play the trailer for Jim Clemente and Laura Richards' new show, Case Closed, John Benet Ramsey. But for now, however you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. very directly, I did not kill my daughter, John Bonet. God knows who you are, and we will find you. The list of suspects narrows. There's a, there's a ransom.
So you try to solve a homicide, but the homicide doesn't exist. I did not kill Jean Benet. I love that child. We do not have sufficient evidence. This little girl's homicide to this date has been unresolved. In my opinion, I think we can change that right now. It's 20 years later, and this case is still unsolved. We hope to get the truth out about how she died. She's not gotten justice yet. My experience as a prosecutor in New York City helps me understand how you put together a case. The victim advocacy side is really crucial here. We're standing in her shoes 20 years on trying to get to the bottom of this. We have so much evidence. We're this close. It's just a matter of getting people together like ourselves to put it all together and put it to rest. Dr. Henry Lee. Each piece of evidence we're going to extract. Then we're going to analyze. Jim Fitzgerald. From a historical perspective, this is uncharacteristic of any kind of kidnapping letter I've ever seen. Stansberg, out of 370 words, 76% is extraneous. They're trying to sell this now. It's a sales job. James Kohler. I didn't think that a stun gun would have been used on a six-year-old child. Then there's Dr. Werner Spitz. When you break into a house, isn't time of the essence? There's obviously a lot going on behind the scenes. Police department morale and people's lives were destroyed. You didn't testify in the grand jury? For 20 years. Nobody asked me. I think it would have really turned the case around. They think the call has been disconnected from 911. I want to show you with noise reduction. I can recognize that voice. We're actually rebuilding the house. They got to say 50,000 square foot warehouse. Each floor has its own space. So we'll be able to walk around. It's just incredible, the reality of standing within it. You have to be a contortionist, I think, to come through here. There's absolutely no way they could have come in or out through this window. We have five different motives in this one crime. It makes no sense. The most important thing is to go where the evidence takes us. Do not ever, ever contact me again. Unbelievable. We want to get the truth out so that JonBenet could rest in peace. 